again and welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 243. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm Joe DC. And what a busy week it has been. Actual games. Yeah, three <laughs> games we've got to, to talk about in a little bit of detail. I mean, it, it's over. The Hawaii trip is over. The players are back in cold Vancouver. That's going to be a, a little bit of a shock to their system, I'm sure. They got the sun, though. Yeah, true. The sun, but it's cold. Yeah, cold at night. It's just to get rid of any trialists that were only there for the Hawaii trip. Yeah, yeah, we'll see who, who takes the pitch at training this week. But we, we've got a lot to pack into this show. We're going to talk about the week in Hawaii, some of the other Whitecaps and MLS news. We've got three interviews to bring you as well. We chat with Stefan Marinovic and both draft picks, Justin Fittis and Lucas Stoffer. Now, the Lucas Stoffer interview, I it's one of my favourites, Zach. <laughs> Steve, that's his uh, second favourite of the one, year. One of yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my favourites. Yeah. Just thought I'd get that in early. He starts quickly. Anyway, let's get back to the football. So, yeah, well, okay, Hawaii games, two wins. One loss, obviously it was in the final, the yep. loss, uh, but it was a good start to the week. Yeah, I mean, we we got to see two of the games streamed. Good first game from what we saw from the highlights, because we, we didn't get to see that. That that was a 4-0 hammering. It didn't look like much of a contest from the limited highlights. No, but then that team then won against them on the Saturday night. Football is a, a funny, fickle mistress. Well, 80% of the goals this preseason have not been streamed so far. So did they actually really happen? Or were they uh-huh. just staged? Uh, we saw the highlights. Well, oh, I guess yeah. so, yeah. They yeah. Staged. yeah, two two wins. We had a, a, a win against Iwaki FC, the sixth-tier Japanese club on Thursday. Made hard work of it, though. Yeah, barely. The bigger concern should, should really be when you're when looking at the, the preseason is not... So much results because it's preseason. Uh, the concern is, I think, more the performance. And I know that's er, uh, that is early too, though. It, true, very early. True. And and so one, it's early. Two, uh, I think you. Halt. I think well, whatever. Uh, I think that I, I I personally look at effort. 
as what I want to see in the team early on to see if they're efforting on the pitch. And <laughs> it seemed like they were. Oh, that's great. So do you give them an E for efforting? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So uh, the other thing the other thing that could be said is obviously with these split squads for these games is yeah. there you're not seeing what I don't think anyone would call the first 11 together. No. There was not like a first 11 and a second no. 11. It was very they were very much mixed sides. Um but the 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 style, the approach and the performance I think Leaves a lot to be desired, other than the fact. I mean, yes, there's excuses like the heat and two a days, and they wanted them tired. They wanted them working hard, so they supposedly had to think more in game or yeah. whatever. But the the performance. I don't. Th- I don't think anyone watched any of those the highlights or any of those games and was just like, "I'm excited about this style of play. I'm excited about this approach." Am, am I wrong? I I can't tell you that you're wrong. I mean, Joe, jo, coming away just from from those three games how are you feeling at the end of the week from from what you saw well obviously it's preseason like like Zach said we can't take too much from that but the like there were there was a lot of players that i thought like okay this i understand it's preseason but your decision making is so poor like gazal in the last game was one that really stood out he gave the ball away like in very dangerous positions quite often but you know we know the kind of quality player he is hopefully this is just a preseason thing these games as much as we want them to mean something they don't actually mean something but no. um the system was a big thing like we were well, all yeah. hoping for three at the back and it was four at the back the whole time no. that that was a little strange the second half of the first game wasn't there three at the back on that one yes or something but when you look mm-hmm. at the three that they played it was hardly a, a yeah. lot that you can take from it oh. yeah but yeah, we we barely saw three at the back. Tuesday's game had four at the back in the first half, and then they were kind of weird three at the back in the second. Thursday was was four, I think, in both halves. Saturday's first half was four one four one, which I like, and I'd be quite happy if that was what they went with this year. Second half started four two three one until Rusty came off, and then it kind of went to three at the back, I think. It was a, I'd lost interest by then. I just had it all in the background, so I wasn't really paying that much now, attention. Now, could it be that Robbo, obviously he would they were would be training a three at the back, and he didn't like what he saw initially, so he didn't want to put it out in the game until they were ready in training to put it out in the game. That's the other thing. It Probably conditioning comes before the actual full-on tactical switch, but I don't understand if you are planning on doing it, why don't you just do it from the beginning? We've been saying for, since the end of last season, that if they want to go three at the back next season, they have to do it right from the start of preseason, especially against the opposition, right? Like, yeah, this was a time to like because the result didn't it didn't look like it didn't like the result was a, a, weighing on them hugely. Um, so why not try the three at the back now? Well, yeah, I mean that that's I mean if preseason games are made for experimenting, I know we talked about this a few episodes ago. It was just weird. I do kind of get the sense, though, that he maybe wasn't comfortable going with it now. And if he had gone with it now and the players weren't ready for it and it looked a big flop, right away folk would be like, oh, you can't do that. But it could be that he has had a look at some of the guys and they're just not comfortable doing that. But it's very, very early days. But did anyone get the feeling watching these games that it's just more of the same of what we were endlessly frustrated with last season? Pretty much. Yeah. Except for, I agree, except for it looks like they have the right type of player to play that lone center forward who can bring the balls yes. down and or 
uh, attack them in the air, in, in yeah. Kai Kamara especially. Yeah. Bl- Blundell had moments of good hold-up play and whatever. Uh, he didn't look super impressive. There was that one miss. I think I texted you, Michael, and I was like, uh-oh, this looks like Mustafa. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Mustafa kind of moment. Yeah, but. yeah we'll talk a little bit about the, the attack in the, in the second part of this. But uh, we, we talked about Robo wanted them tired. Just going back to that quickly, that seems a bit of a weird thing. But the like thing is, have them exhausted. The, uh, uh, we'll talk about some other stuff he said in the uh, in a certain radio interview he did uh, during the week. But he also mentioned in that that he was limiting their time in the sun. Yeah, because he Which didn't want them to Hawaii. burn out. Yeah. So, but like in their off time and stuff like that. It was hard to tell by all the posts I saw on social media. I know. Did, did no one bring a top with them? That was that was what I was kind of wondering. They also didn't bring any kind of food plan because they were eating out the whole time, judging on oh, their they? social media. Yeah, I could, uh, couldn't see. I saw pizzas and salads and things like that. Ha- Hawaiian pizzas, obviously. <laughs> no comment on Hawaiian pizzas. I, I had a Hawaiian pizza last night just to, to get myself wait, in the mood. Wait, wait, wait. Let's take it. Joe, I take it you don't think Hawaiian pizza is a proper pizza? This is just a Twitter storm waiting to happen. Um, it's not, though. But I like it. <laughs> I like Hawaiian pizza. Just without a pizza is what you make it. Just like a formation is what you make it. Oh. <laughs> I, I concur. Now, say, the defence looks fairly solid. We've got to say that. Basically three clean sheets. Um, I'm not counting that goal because I wasn't really paying attention. So basically three clean sheets. Okay, before you say you're not counting, some people said it was, was the guy offside yeah, or whatever. Yeah, before like, the free kick was given. Yeah, and like yeah. if VAR was there, it wouldn't have been a goal. Yeah, I don't don't think I, they were I, bringing VAR to Hawaii. Unless there was a flag in the way. <laughs> I'd be a nice trip for it, though. Yeah. I, can, I can just picture VAR wearing the, the coconut bra. I, I honestly don't think the ref cared enough to no. just I, I think no one wanted penalties by that stage. No. No. So that they were just pretty pleased that that was, that that was going to actually be over, but Marinovic looked good. We've got to say that couple of cracking saves, especially in the game against the Wacky, threw himself across the goal. He looks really up for it. Brian Rowe though, little bit dodgy. Is not a sweeper keeper. No, a few distribution issues as well. I think we can see. It's still early preseason. Mm, yeah, but have you watched him before, Steve? Like, no, no like, I don't watch LA Galaxy. I, I, I didn't rate this signing, and, yeah. and I, I still don't. Uh, I don't I, expect him to play too much unless Marinovic gets injured. And if he gets injured, then anybody you put in the back there is going to be dodgy. Then you have to look at things like Marinovic is going away probably to yeah. play for New Zealand against Spain. That's one oh, game. Not Spain, against Canada in Spain. So he's going to miss the third game of the the season. I understand that, but you, you're expecting that for a lot of players. So you're happy to put, just throw in any old dodgy keeper. I don't think he's that dodgy as like you guys are saying. Yeah, it's preseason. Goalkeepers yeah, have the time good to get at going. Training. Like the first week here, he had he had some some good moments. So you got to you just got to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was just too early and he wasn't ready for it and stuff like that. He, a guy he's can turn around. Okay, so would you not rather? You guys are writing people off oh, really hey, quickly <laughs> in the preseason, Mister Umbrella <laughs> Academy. Would you not have? Would you not rather to have a young keeper in that, in those situations? Sure, like a Marco Guducci who got cleaned out and by TFC and then they scored a goal. Right, I, one, right, I'd once. rather have yeah. an experience, also, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather see them invest in someone and have them get games. Hmm. Well, we've got Marinovic anyway as the starting keeper, so let's get back to him. I got a chance to, to sit down with Stefan before they headed off to Hawaii. So this is a, a fun interview with Stefan. So let's hear what you had to say.
so Stefan, we knew when you came in, you you were going to be like challenging David Usted for the the number one spot. You knew that as well. I think a lot of us knew David was moving on at the end of the season, so we kind of expected you to be the the guy this year. But did it surprise you that that you took the number one spot as quickly as you did uh, last year? Um, yeah, I guess a little bit. Uh, I definitely, you know, felt that I was on, in training I was on par with David, and um, you know, David has uh, was a great goalkeeper, and he has his uh, he has his strengths and strengths, and I have mine and. Maybe my strengths lended a little bit um, more to the game we were playing at the, at the time, it, coming towards the end of the season. Uh, so, um, yeah, obviously a little bit of surprise when uh, when the gaffer gave me the, uh, the starting job, but um, didn't let it uh, influence how I play or how I ended up playing. Yeah, so got to say, for the fault we speak to you, you, you're one of the most confident, which I like. Mm. Coming to a new environment like this, it hasn't seemed to phase you at all. It's like you just it's took it like duck to water. Has there been much of a difference? I know you're like third, fourth tier in Germany, mm. but have you noticed much of a difference? Style of play, pace of play or anything coming here? Yeah, of course. Definitely the, the pace of play is, um, is, is that, that tick quicker. But, um, no, I mean, soccer's soccer, right? Uh, you know, football's football. <laughs> so uh, it hasn't really bothered me that much. I'm a pretty open person, so it doesn't isn't that hard for me to to chat to someone or whatever, get along yeah. with the guys. And as long as as long as I'm comfortable with um, with my team, you know, I feel part of the team. You know, I don't see why that should influence. You know, what it, it, well, it influences positively on you know how how I play and you know who I'm playing for and all that. So and. This season, obviously, it's a little bit different. You're now the starter. You've got Brian in challenging you for, for your position. Do you feel you have to go out and show a bit more in pre-season just to, to secure that number one role? Or, I mean, how, how, do, how do you enjoy a challenge where you're the guy that someone's now wanting to knock off? Ha, um, I've, I want to say that I you know, don't change much, but um, you, know, you obviously want to you put your best foot forward. But I feel like my approach hasn't changed that much to how I approached... Um, trainings and all that at the end of uh the end of the, near the end of the season well when i came last year uh I, I love a challenge and it keeps me on my toes and you know this is this is pre-season the pre-season is the battle for the number one um for the starting spot so i also see it like that it's, um uh from what i heard brian's you know a good goalkeeper and uh so it should be should be fun though i i i thrive off a challenge and um uh, Brian's definitely not going to be one that wants to sit by and you know watch me just waltz into there. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to it and it doesn't really like you said. I mean, it doesn't really change how I approach approach trainings. I give 100 percent all the time. And Rob always talked about new systems, three at the back potentially. Is that a system that you've played much in? And, and how different is it for a goalkeeper when you've only got three defenders in front of you? I have actually. Um, I've a lot of uh, experience with a three, like a three at the back, because uh, that's what the uh, uh, the national team played, and um, what uh, the new coach at Colorado Hudson, what yeah. he what he prefers. I mean, he never, from memory, like maybe once or twice in the middle of the game, he changed to four at the back. But we always started with a three at the back, and so you know, I know, I know, a lot of, I know how it functions. Um, he was. Uh, pretty adamant about drilling that into us when we were in camp. So, uh, I mean, if you got three three confident big centre backs, you know, for the three at the back, you can deal with anything coming down the middle, and it's going to have to go down around the outsides. And 
and it gives you those options forward and um, yeah it requires just a little bit different player right which um, I'm, I'm not a coach so I'm not sure what Robbo's thinking but wait and see yeah right, we're talking about Anthony Hudson then were you surprised that he's come over to MLS or did you think once the World Cup campaign was over and you hadn't qualified that he might look for something different? Yeah, definitely. Um, after after the, the game in Peru, uh, when we uh, didn't qualify, uh, everyone knew that he would be mo- wanting to move on. He's a young, am- ambitious uh, uh, coach and uh, he'd definitely be looking for a new challenge. Surprising that he went to Colorado, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see that um, MLS... Uh, I, I just wasn't... I couldn't see which league he was going to go to, but then he ended yeah. up just going to the so MLS. So he did like speak to you about no, your, no, your no, 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 not at all. I, I think it was. Um, I'm not sure if it was in the pipeline before the uh, before the qualifiers had even happened, or um, if there were any rumours. But he hadn't spoken to any of the MLS players about it, and all honestly, why should he? It's not. Uh, it's not yeah. our business, right? So. Um, yeah, good on. Got a um, got a great job in the in the MLS, I think, and uh, clean slate. So, yeah, good luck, Tom. Does that mean though that he knows all your weaknesses then for when we play Colorado? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It depends. Uh, depends how we play. Uh, I think. I think. I don't know. Everyone has. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like to see myself having many weaknesses. That's what, that's what I was expecting you to say, actually. <laughs> no, it's, uh, nah, he won't. He won't know much. Uh, just, just to finish and talk about the national team, obviously, like we watched the games against Peru, we're cheering you on, even though Jordi's team was in it, but it's like... Got to I go, was playing, right? Yeah, got to go, yeah, go for the underdog. <laughs> I mean, what was that experience like? It seemed that atmosphere in the stadium, just in Peru, like seemed electric. Mm. And then it did feel if they scored, that was going to be it over. But you were doing so well up to that point. Yeah, it was. Um, it was the most. I mean, just looking at the the atmosphere itself, that was the most amazing atmosphere I've ever played in. Uh, that's when you're playing in front of, you know, whatever it was, fifty thousand ultras, and were yeah. surrounded by another whatever eighty million ultras the whole country was like watching the TV you could have probably gone out on the street and go robbed a couple of shops and no one would have stopped you right <laughs> yeah. because no one was there they're all stuck to the telly so you know you just you definitely felt it on the pitch and um, that's what a what a crowd can um, can do for a, for a home team and they they push their home team and you know we definitely we were the underdogs but we were even more underdogs in in Peru so um, like the experience itself um, was valuable and um, you know, barring by the by the the loss was an amazing experience, right? I mean, you, those type of games you play in a few times in your lifetime, right? Yeah. Even so, with all the fireworks going off and trying to keep you awake oh, before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're like the New, us New Zealanders. I think we're pretty resilient, and so for us personally as players, it didn't bother a lot of us um, that much. It um, it, it uh, if anything. Depends how you take it, right? And I, I, I took it in the way that well, they actually they want to put you off the game because they actually you know worried you know that you might you might achieve something, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even at one nil down, we, none of us felt like you know the game was over because you, we just had to score one, right? And then we would have been through. So uh, only in, once they scored that second goal in the second half through some poor, um, relatively poor defending on a corner did 
till we realize, yeah, that we're, I don't think we're gonna, we're not gonna get two goals back. But you know, it doesn't mean we're gonna stop. So, yeah, that that much that much of the game, I guess. <laughs> Trying to forget it. <laughs> uh, that's great. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks. Cheers. Good going? luck this season. Thank you. Stefan Marinovic there, who does come from a land down under. I know not Australia, but New Zealand is down under. The last time I, I guess so, but I don't think they would take appreciation to that. And he doesn't like to think of himself as having any weaknesses as a goalkeeper. No, I don't like to think of him as having any weaknesses either. I I don't like to think of any white caps as having any weaknesses. <laughs> According to my wife, I only have weaknesses. So, well, your wife's just a hater. You've only been married since August. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so. We definitely don't seem to have too much to worry about with Marinovic. Waston Parker as well. We kind of knew that already. They they looked pretty solid. From the rest of the team defence-wise that, that you've seen this week, and yeah, early days, etc, etc. But did anyone stand out for you in, in a good way? We'll look at that. It was hard because they were rotating so much that you can't get a full game to see one player in one game in one position. Davies played at, as left wing back in one game. And he looked, he was tracking back. He actually might have been a winger, but he was playing so far back that he was basically playing as a fullback. Um, he he um, looked very solid. He was tracking back. He was one of the few players that showed some real urgency and desire, I thought. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Anyone stand out in the defence for you? Stand out in the defence? No, I, the, solid, the solid guys were the solid guys. Yeah, Marunovic, I thought, did, did fine. Uh, Kendall and Timmy did fine. Uh, Danielle, yeah, was passable. Is it Don Yell? I've always called him Donil. Whatever. Sorry, I don't, I'm not sure. Well, everybody was calling him the beast or being a beast on the pitch and stuff like that, especially in the second game. Okay, let's call him Henri. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Henri. We've always wanted to have Henri at BC Play, so now we, we finally got him. Very different No, but wasn't... <laughs> Is you still bitter, Joe? <laughs> but d- yeah, no hokey-cokeying from, from Henry. But he was described as yeah. having a very good... Uh, game, especially considering he was 18 months yeah. away from the soccer. I, I thought he did well, and you might be surprised to hear me say that after what yeah. I've been saying about him, but I, I was impressed. You wanted him. to put him in so many packages. Yeah, I, I still would. Him and Mond, I would package out here, but... He was playing... For Justin Merrim. He was playing in the centre, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah. He was playing along... I think it was alongside Waston. It's all blurring into one now, but he looked good. For for his first games back, it, he, he looked good. He was confident. So it was a positive start. De Jong as well was not bad. Lucas Stoffer for me, quite impressed. But we're, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about him and, and the fullbacks in the next part. And we'll get to part two soon after these. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. That was for Joe there, not because he talks too much. It's also for Zach because he does. But that was the Sultans of Ping FC from Cork. Good old Cork band. Had to play that for Joe tonight. Wait, what did you say? 
See, you should listen to to these things. I, you say I talk too much. You talk too much. You talk too much. <laughs> talk too much. Or to, those talk. are two different. I definitely talk too much. You definitely I, talk I, too much. I've, I've never talked so. No, but if you did, I'm sure you'd do it too much. <laughs> but how did we get onto this? I have no idea. Anyway, you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia, and now. We're going to play a game. It's a new game. Everyone can't wait. This is The Only One. We're going to play the new game now, The Only One. I'll explain the rules. I've explained them to the guys during the break. What we're going to do, we're going to play this in part two. Part three, and maybe part five. And there's going to be one question in each part. I'm going to ask you a question of which there are ten possible answers. You need to write down, if you're playing at home you can do this as well, write down an answer. If it's correct, you will get one point. However, if someone else answers the same answer as you, you lose that point. And as an added twist, I will also write down an answer. And if my answer matches yours, then you will also lose a point. So you have 30 seconds to answer this. And we are looking for any one of the top 10 all-time goal scorers in Major League Soccer. Write down your answer. And in, in Steve fashion, I've decided to pick some music for this. So we're going back to my childhood now. And here is the theme tune for Bod. Here comes Bod. <laughs> Okay, we all seem to have an answer now. So, let's go from left to right. Steve, what is your answer? I put, I don't even know if this is right, I put Dwayne Di Rosario. Dwayne Di Rosario is in the top 10. He is... I should know that too, considering I did the research for all that trivia. <laughs> True. Joe? I wrote uh, Chris Wondolowski. Chris Wondolowski is in the top 10. I wrote Jeff Cunningham. And Jeff Cunningham is in the top 10. And I wrote Kai Kamara, because I thought one of you would put down Kai Kamara. So points all round. Wasn't that a fantastic start to the show? So Zach, one Zach, point keep each. your shirt on. It was one point. And there's chocolate at stake, so an added incentive there for, for Steve. Know how much he likes that. But anyway, we'll get Steve back on the, on the board soon. Before that, though, I, we'll do a little bit more Whitecaps news of the week. Now, the, the battle for right back... But we saw minutes this week from Sean Franklin, Mark Bloom, and Lucas Stoffer. Stoffer impressed me the most out of those three guys. He's the draft pick, not just because we've got him later on in the show as well, but I thought he did really well. Didn't look out of place there, and definitely a very promising guy. Definitely worth keeping around, but from the experienced guys, I know it's a small sample rate, but who did you like, Franklin or Bloom? I liked Franklin myself. Um, his pedigree is fantastic. The MLS experience that he has will only bring good things to. And he's he's episode. more of a dynamic attacker too going that's, forward. That's that's true. Well. Um, like like Nerwinski is, so yeah. we wouldn't have to change his style if if that if we he was to come in to uh, jockey for that position. Yeah, I of the of Bloom and um, Franklin, I I was 
more impressed with Franklin. Yeah, I mean, Bloom's today had one cross for me in the second match, but I think Franklin has to get the nod if you're going for one of those two. And Bloom has injury problems yeah. that we have to consider. Yeah. The thing is, with Bloom, is he's a kind of a Swiss Army knife where he could play in multiple positions if you, if you need that. Yeah. On football manager, he can play all across the back line. Yeah. yeah. The thing about Lucas Stouffer, though, I know you got, you're were, you were saying he played really well. You expect that rookies to do that um, because they want to really impress, whereas uh, veterans come in and they want to kind of pace their way. Through training camp. But if you weigh up the potential... Oh, for sure. Stouffer has a lot more... But I think Stouffer, you can send... Because he's a second-round pick, you could send him to Fresno. Absolutely. Oh, and definitely. Uh, miss, I think, yeah. Spend I think, a year there. I think that's possibly the best outcome for everybody. Yeah. I, I think that might be what, what they do with him. But, I mean, I, I like that. The, the other rookie in camp as well, Justin Fittis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't say a lot at the time, but, I mean, what, what did you make from him? I don't think I saw enough of him to have yeah. a full opinion of he him. didn't stand out that's the no, thing that, he didn't stand out in a bad way which, which is, is good, good. Yeah. But it'll, be, it'll be interesting at the on, for the later preseason games is he starting from the bench is he starting is he getting some starts you know we we saw Nerwinski last season preseason yeah he was challenging already I think we we need to have a look at him to, to know exactly what we've got for for me I mean one thing is I don't think any of these these guys are on trial or her draft picks or whatever uh, I don't think any of them, to me, are ahead, would be ahead of Jake or, or Marcel on the no. left, right? No. I mean, so, we're looking at backups. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. Backups yeah. in the future. And, of course, we'll, we'll come to Jake Narinsky's future a little bit later in this part. But we, we've seen before, like two seasons ago, right back was the nightmare position for the Whitecaps. We had Fraser yeah. Aird. We had we've got them coming out of our hoo-ha. Hard. Yeah, and we, uh, one off-season, we had Williams last season who started and then Nowinski finished the season as the starter. You know, it's funny how uh, in one off-season your weakest position can become your strongest position. But we have to be careful because we've had vulner- vulnerabilities in these positions before, especially now that we've lost Jordan Harvey, who was yeah. a mainstay in that left-back position. De Jong looks looks good. He's had been really good since around October last year. But one injury and we could be looking kind of shallow. Well, hopefully we will get a bit more look at Fittis in the, the games coming up down in, in California next week. I got a chance to, to sit down with Justin just before they headed off to Hawaii. So bring that interview for you now. Just talking about his whirlwind from, from the draft to being on the train pitch in a matter of days and a lot more besides. So let's hear now from Whitecaps' number one draft pick in this year's draft, Justin Fittis. First thing to, to ask you, Justin, you've had a, a whole week now of pre-season under your belt. How, how's it felt out there for you? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's different than college for sure. It's a lot faster. Um, the guys are, are more technical, but I'm just trying to you know figure out how guys play, their tendencies and stuff like that. So that takes a little bit of time, but um, I'm getting better every practice. I can feel myself getting better and... Uh, I think every practice is getting better for me, and, and I think I'm starting to understand more and more of how the Vancouver Whitecaps play and, and start to you know vibe with the guys a little better. Just to go back a little bit then, the, the whole draft experience for you, it seemed like a whirlwind. Friday you're drafted, Monday you're here doing training, Tuesday you're, you're on the pitch. What was that first three or four days like for you? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I was actually thinking about it just this weekend, like, you know, a week ago, I didn't know where I was going to end yeah. up in North America. I could have ended ended up in Dallas or, you know, Orlando, but I ended up up here in Vancouver. Uh, and then to just fly right back up here and and just get started, you know, you're in a hotel, 
Uh, you're in a new city. You're surrounded by strangers, really. Um, but everyone's been very welcoming. Um, everyone's been very nice and helpful. And and yeah, it, it, it's been a uh, a very hectic first week, I would say. And it it you know, it's tough to kind of get your feet on the ground. But I think I'm getting more and more comfortable as uh, time progresses. And I know I will continue to get more and more comfortable. The the training sessions, it's looked so competitive out there, more than any other year that we've seen here. And you talked about the speed and stuff, but have you been surprised how competitive it's been from the start? You know, I was expecting it to be very competitive, so uh, it didn't. I didn't come in and, like, I wasn't shocked by the competitiveness. Yeah, I mean, there were some other things that I was not surprised about, but, you know, the speed of play is, is faster than college. Um, the guys' technical abilities are faster. Um, but the competitiveness, that's thats something that's standard, I, I, I believe. Now, you're at Washington Huskies for four years. Obviously, Spencer Ritchie was there, and you yeah. had that one season with him. Did you Have you had a chance to speak to Spencer at all about what it's like here? Um, I briefly spoke to Spencer here and there when he would come up, uh, or sorry, come down to Seattle, and just he'd watch a training session. He was around. So I talked to him briefly then, and then I texted him uh, before I got here to see if he was going to be here. But obviously, he's in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, but he's been uh, he's been supportive, and uh, he didn't really you know give me too much insight. But I, it's not that I very, really asked. Uh, but I know he, he wishes me the best, and as do I for him. Read something one of the quotes from you, you said that you loved the rain. Yeah, uh, which from San Diego seems weird. But yeah. Um, so how have you found the weather this first week? Um, it's funny. I mean, it's no, it's really no different than Seattle. You know, uh, I guess yeah. It's you know it's a it's been a cold week, um, and it's been a lot of rain. But uh, you know it's it's nothing it's nothing different. Your your cleats get a little waterlogged, and you know the ball escapes quickly. But that's that's the only difference really. It, it doesn't bother me too much at all. Now you've got a lot of competition on the squad this year, and yourself. I know you can play left back, you can play right back. You've got some experienced guys in the squad, Marcel de Jong, uh, Efrain Juarez, who's been playing fullback for years as well. Have you had a chance to speak to them, or how excited are you to be playing with guys like that to kind of draw on their knowledge? Yeah, I, um, I, I haven't really spoken to them in the fact of asking, you know, how I can do better in, in their position, obviously, but um, just watching them play, watching how fast they play, their movements, and then talking to the coaches about positionally how I should move in the three-five-two, or in whatever formation yeah. we're playing in, we've 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 been down numbers uh, lately, yeah. so we've been playing with three in the back, and that's something that's foreign to me. Um, that was something I was going to ask about that. Yeah. yeah, it's foreign to me. I hadn't. I mean, we'd always done four in the back, and I would always get high, but the first couple practices, I was getting too high, and then I was leaving uh, our guys exposed in the back. So they've been on me, on me, stay back, sit in the three, connect passes. Um, so that's. That's one of you know. That's one of the challenges that I'm going through now. Is when is my time to go? When is my time to sit and just connect passes? Um, so that's something that I got to figure out. And I, you know, it it does that'll take time. Yeah. So you start off as a forward, so then you've had to transition to being a defender. Now you're kind of learning how to be in a three in the back. How difficult is it to make that adjustment? Because so many college guys seem to start off as forward, and you go to college, and then year one, year two. You're playing in defense. Yeah. It seems baffling to me. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, is, it is difficult at first, that's for sure. And like I said, I'm still figuring out how to play uh, in the three at the back. But um, I think over time, just the more and more you do it, you're going to make mistakes. You know, um, 
you get better at it. And I think that starting out forward, it kind of gives you even a little leg up because you have that attacking ability and that, um, I don't know how you say it, know-how to get forward. And, and when you do get a chance up there, you really take it. So I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways from being a for moving back and back and back. Um, but, yeah. I know it's a lot of exciting things happening for you just now, but what, what are you most excited about right now, about what, what lies ahead? You know, I, I'm, I'm most excited about just, I really, really feel like I'm learning a lot and I feel like I'm getting better and I know I have a, a ways to go. I really do. But I'm most excited about, you know, looking back in a year, looking back in whatever it is, two seasons from now and, and thinking like, wow, when I was there that first week, I was so nervous. I was, you know, not clean on the ball. Um, I didn't know where I was supposed to be positionally. And then to look at that in the future, that's what I'm most excited about, okay. is my development. Thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to seeing you this season, and good luck. Thank you very that's much. Great. Welcome to Vancouver. Justin Phillips there talking and all things Whitecaps, the draft and the Washington Huskies. So it's going to be interesting to to see how he does uh, as this season goes on. A little bit more chat about the, the Whitecaps this week and some of the Whitecaps news. We talked briefly about it in the first part, but moving to the attack, Kai Kamara. I thought he had an excellent week. He is looking like that guy we've been looking for up front, big Bustly, making things happen, not afraid to put himself about. Won a penalty, a little bit dodgy, but still won a penalty. His, his off the field stuff, the way he came in off the field, like in you know approach to the the new challenge and everything, like he, like on social media and stuff like that, seems to have translated on the pitch at this yeah. point, and it seems to be a good kind of motivating for everybody else too. And he got his first goal, hopefully the first of many. Yeah, Steve, I I think he was probably at the the top of your efforting charts, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I thought he looked, he looked fantastic, really. Um, just the target man we've all been waiting for, I should say. Yeah. Like Montero Ho- tried. He, he's, he, he still needs to get the service, though. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. the ideal guy. If they're going to play that kind of game, he's the ideal guy to have in there, finally. What would be the odds to have Marinovic to Kamara as the most frequent pass combination? <laughs> oh, this yeah, Marinovic could get a lot of assists this year. Um, I say 8-1. to one. <laughs> it's pretty high. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give Marinovic three assists on the year. But but I think if it was Alsted, Alsted would have got him the ball under. definitely. Like oh, Alsted yeah. was a way better distributor, like one of the better distributor keepers I've ever seen. But with Kamara, you just knock it in his yeah. general direction, and he'll catch yeah. someone with his. He'll, he'll make things happen. Yeah, but yeah. it was good. Midfielders and forwards. You were itching to to talk about this, Zach. So we'll we'll let you kick off. Who who did you feel did well then out of those? In the in the three games that we saw, no, I just there wasn't a lot of exciting things to talk about at the back. I felt, other than maybe Kendall, but um, no, in midfield, uh, this is one, this one actually we talked a little bit about Mike Michael, but um, it was interesting to see, especially in the first uh, the first game of the Pacific Rim Cup, uh, Dave Norman. It was a little bit of him living out exactly what he he said. I, I, I got to get up to speed with the game. Uh, it's going to be you know you know more difficult yeah. all that kind of stuff because there was times in, in especially early on maybe the first sixty percent of his time on the field where it was like some misplaced passes he was like turning and making a pass to where he thought the person was going to be or was or whatever and it wasn't quite as crisp or to his own team as he would as he would have liked 
but I think he he kept with it, and as he kept with it, uh, he got. I think he kind of got a hold of the, his game a little yeah. bit. He made had that, a cracking tackle. Yeah, made that amazing tackle, and it was kind of like I was like, okay, it look, felt like a bit of a struggle. Like he was battling, kind of with getting yeah. coming to grips with the game, and then it felt like okay, like he's found his place in the game a little bit. And so I'm ex- I'm you know really excited to see what what uh, what my, what the future is going to hold for him, and this season is going to hold for him. Juarez, I felt did well in the first two games. Third game, maybe not so much, but his distribution and the way that he was kind of just on connecting. the field. Yeah, connecting. And, and the first two games looked promising. Yeah, um, we really need a midfielder who can have the penetrative pass through to break some lines. But like beside him will likely be, you know, Gazelle. He didn't look great, but it's early, right? We're trying to draw yeah. conclusions. Maybe he's not used to the heat. So to switch from a, the kind of a more defensive uh, guy... Uh, to more of one of the attacking midfielders forward kind of players is I felt like Christian Teixeira had some moments and you could feel like Christian Teixeira linking up with Kai Kamara. Yeah. You could, you could see that, that happening training. That's been really good. At training, he's been sending the balls in, putting things away. Fonzie as well, I think, has got the potential to have a really good relationship with Kai, both on and off the pitch. They did a little bit of a chat on CTV and there's definitely a chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. Davies looks re- well up for the for those games in preseason. He was like doing that thing where he would just drive through a couple of defenders looking for gaps and things like that. Um, would Tichera and Kamara be the ultimate big man, small man combination? <laughs> That's the, <laughs> if we played four four two, we could have some very good potential like that. I, I, I don't, I don't think you give Tichera a free role, even though I, I'm sure he would love that. I wouldn't mind a free role right now. But, <laughs> but if he if he was on if they had those guys on either side, I think that would be promising. Also, Alfonso has already starred in one of uh, Kai Kamara's dance videos, so he's got he's got that. Yes, true. Anyone that you were concerned about, or do we just make allowances, as Steve says, with it being preseason week one, the heat, all that other stuff? Anyone just now that you're thinking hmm. it was week two, right? It was week, week, week one, one of, of games. games. Yeah. No excuses. It's week two of training. Come on. <laughs> These guys are getting harsh <laughs> on this side of the room. No, I think uh like I think I, I think I think uh, like I I didn't watch the games fully, but I'm so glad I didn't because if I'd followed social media while watching the games, I think it would have like people are way too harsh too early in the season. Oh, absolutely. Way too harsh. I, I give I give a, a team like four or five games before I'm like really ragging on them. Regular season games. That being said, Before. though, at on a not on an individual level, but like the the tactics, like what is there to get excited about? If no, no, I agree with that. Yeah. But I think that's those those two Seattle games really like damage people internally, and I'm talking about the fans, not the not the not the team itself. Any means necessary. <laughs> it, it, but it was it was brutal, and we oh. haven't recovered from it. No, either. no, I have, I'm uh, really glad I didn't fly uh, down for the. Oh, game. I hated it too, but I'm I'm it was over really quickly because yeah. I, I expected that much. I, from I can't be bothered with friendlies anyway. Yeah. I would usually just like to have a little holiday, but folk kept saying when I was like, oh, "I'm glad I didn't go," but you'd have been in Hawaii. Yeah. I hate the heat and the sun, so yeah. it wouldn't have been a plus point for me. But how many friendlies can you remember? I remember the Crystal Palace one because that was good good fun. Team 1040 were down there. Robo had a chat with them, revealed something on the radio during the week, which caught a lot of folk by surprise. Breck Shea won't be a DP in Vancouver this season. Now, everyone's just assuming that means he's been bought down. It could just mean he won't be in Vancouver this season. That's very possible. And that's a subtle way of saying that. But I think he mentioned in in that part that they're using Tam to bring him down. I think they did say that. Now, my question is, if he gets traded... 
does that Tam buy down go with him, and then so he's not a DP for the other team? I'm oh, not sure how that works. Way weird, too much because that might stuff. be that might be more appealing for another team yeah. to want him if if he's not a DP. For I them also either. didn't think you could use certain elements unless you were bringing in a new DP. But I, I don't think know. the rules you're looking for are written in a napkin and yeah. covered in mm. or in, in the sand. Covers. On the beach in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) And and the other big thing that was was revealed, Jake Nerwinski, contract extension, a good thing. Yes, but don't mention the option years or else some people might have uh, a conniption. Besiktas are already lurking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Mexican team. But it kind of shows that they've got belief in him. So, yeah, well done for Jake. We'll just finish up our Whitecaps chat. The Whitecaps season ticket packages came out this week. I'm not a season ticket holder anymore. I do believe there's been a bit of um, unhappiness. Kerfuffle. There's yeah. a good word. Bit Tem- of kerfuffle about Tempest it. Tempest in a teacup? Yes. Yeah, so and, and, you, you wanted to... Seems like supporters are in a tankerous mood. Yeah. Whitecap Scarf put out a tweet of what all the other packages were like for, for different teams. I like the way he built it up too, where he showed all the good ones and then they showed the white cap. Yeah. It, yeah. You had, you had some thoughts on that. Well, okay. So first, the first thing I want to say is I know for some people, and Michael, you remind me of this from time to time. Uh, sometimes I, I can sound like a, like, like a, like a song with one note. Yes. <laughs> right. A broken record. <laughs> yes. Uh, very too negative towards certain things or the front office in general or whatever. Uh, you remind me of that my good friend Arna reminds me of that from time to time. Uh, the front office <laughs> reminds you of that? No, uh, no, they don't. But, uh, so I don't want to sound like a, a broken record, but I think there's, a, there's a little bit of context to this, which is somewhat in, out in the ether, but maybe not, not fully. And uh, yeah, I don't want to come across as just being negative, but I think it's important. So I want to try and say this was important to understand kind of how they operate. Like, cause I think that's what some people are, are missing or they don't fully grasp, but basically the way the, the white caps function is not something that just happened overnight. They have been functioning in a certain way for many, many years. And when you have people who get into positions by functioning a certain way, they're going to keep functioning it that way because that's how they got to that place. So that's without going into details about what that means and what that looks like or how that actually transpired. But they have a certain way of doing things, a certain way of approaching things. So for them, things like a survey that they give to their season ticket holders, they hold up really high. It's really valuable for them. It's, it's one of the ways that they feel the people have been given a voice to speak to them. And so they do a lot of things based on that, as whether you think that's a good idea or a bad idea or whatever. That doesn't matter. That's how they've chosen to operate. Like a scientific, we have these facts. This is what the people have said. Well, this is what we're going to do. because folk, you're asking right. the fans. So what they have done is they have said, we have given the people a voice via this. And the way that they've cho- – now, they, they're choosing how to ask the questions or what the questions are. So one of the questions they've asked – I don't know if they ask it every year or they've just asked it in the past or whatever. I can't remember. I don't always take the survey I have more recently. But one of the things they have asked is, would you like the cost of your ticket package or the cost of your tickets to be cheaper or would you like things included in the package that would make things more expensive? Okay, that's that's so kind most of, folk would pick cheaper, right? So they would say, "Look, we've asked you, you've told us you prefer a cheaper price without things added on." So that's how they've chosen to operate. They say, "We've heard from you," and so this is what we're going to do. So that is what they that is what they have done. Now I know I know there. I mean the side comment, the side discussion to this is well, you to to if you're striving for excellence, 
you should go above and beyond. You should get a sponsor to come in and help, or you should find money, or you should budget or whatever. Well, but they that's have Ford now. That was announced this week. Right. So that, that who knows what that good right. is? We might get a free car. Right. Yeah. But that's not that's not really how they operate. They say this is what the people have asked for. This is what we're going to give them. Again, they're asking the question, but but that's how that's how they've gone about this. So but I was a season ticket holder at East Fife from 1985 to 2007. We didn't get freebies. Right. We didn't expect right. freebies. Yes, and I've heard a lot. A season ticket. I've heard a number of European people say this, and and that's where I would say. That, that's where I would say you know that's true in Europe, or maybe in a in I've heard in the UK that's that's true, but what you know what you're talking about with the tweeting or whatever people are saying well what does it look like in the league that we're in, and that's where the comparing oh, yeah thing, that, 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 that's where it's different yeah so here's here's the thing I, like it, I, I agree with you like I don't think that's even a question you ask. You don't ask people a question because you're you're just getting them to say the cheaper option, right? I think that's a question that shouldn't even be on a survey. No, you but just, you just do but what, what you're supposed to but, do. But Steve, like, like, oh no, I'm agreeing yeah. with you. Just to let you know, yeah. again, reiterating, so you don't have to argue with me. Uh, but I, I just wanted to talk about like uh, WFC two when they did the first, uh, what was that, the first 1100 or something? I yeah, can't remember yeah. whatever. And when they sent what the package was for that, I was just utterly disappointed yeah. like that was like a, like a certificate certificate just like one you would get like from a dollar store kind of thing it seemed like like th- that was just like that you're you're promoting your first your founding members and this is all we're getting like that yeah. was i can't there was maybe a couple other things like stickers or stuff like that but that was that was a big i got a free water bottle with my white cap season ticket once 2009, yeah. 2010. Oh yeah, but I the blue one, the blue yeah. metal yeah. aluminum. But when, yeah. but when you compare, you're right. When you compare it to other like like the way Cap Scarf had it, like nice boxes, yeah. a scarf. Well, you, the problem was you that don't the 2011 have to... inaugural one gave folks stuff in a box with a scarf, yeah. so folk were then expecting that. Right, and so, I, I do get that, so, but so again, I, I'm I'm not I'm not saying right or wrong here. I'm saying their their approach their approach has been. We did this in the past. If we want to keep doing it, it's going to probably mean we're going to they, – they're, they're basically saying we're going to pass the cost on to you. Do you want it? And, and people have said no. Yeah. Somebody's going to say no. <laughs> well, one of, well, so, this, so if you're frustrated, if, you, if you're not happy with this, yeah, send an email, call in, and let them, let them know that. They'll, they'll happily – and if a lot of people do, you'll see a response. And because politely as well. Yes, you're yes. not going to get an answer. Yeah, just no, – you'll get an answer even if you're not polite. But, really? be, but be polite. I've heard. Um, okay, but, but be polite. But uh, but no, like this is uh, they are the other th- part of how they operate is they are in addition to a- responding to facts and, and and feedback they get, they are they are very reactionary. So in the in both the short term and long term. So if a whole bunch of people say something in the in the long term, that that might people might see a benefit for that. The other thing I just want to say, just because I don't know if we talked about this in the past, is one of the things we the supporters said to them. Uh, in the supporter front office meetings is, hey, you've changed to an auto-renew system. We are not paying that $10 fee anymore on our season tickets, that mm. admin fee. We're, there's no calling in. There's no whatever. It's a computer thing, whatever. And we were told, no, we can't change that because there's that admin costs, but I don't know the website. And, yeah. and so well, they, don't start me on ticket no, 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 I know. No, no. So, then, so But then they told us, then they told us what comes of that is what's left over from that. Whatever they have that's that's over it, that's what they used to make the player budget. No, <laughs> that's what they used to make those bags. So they said, "Hey, we have this much left over. We have this many season ticket holders. What can we make to kind of give back from from the money we've brought in?" So it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all numbers game. 
and they just don't want to come out on the on. They don't want to come out losing money because money has become so important to how they operate. Nobody wants to lose money. No. That was Zach's soapbox. There, brought to you by Cousins Imperial Leather, your number one bar of soap, sponsoring Zach's soapbox. What soap? Oh, I yeah. just got out my T-shirt, yeah. so I just wear my no soap and Cowden T-shirt. We'll tweet that out later. We'll be back with more chat then after this. I'm David Edgar, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. You're trying to make your mark in society. You're using all the tricks that you used on me You're reading all them high-fashion magazines The clothes you're wearing, girl, are causing public scenes I said, I... Not Your Stepping Stone by the Monkeys there One of my favourite all-time monkey songs Yeah, it was actually, uh, I think in 1969 they, Their second album um, made it to the top of the US charts This uh, just uh, today and they lasted there about 18 weeks. Great band. I know oh. you would like them. That's why I put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's time now for round two of the only one. I want you to make me feel like I'm the only one. The only one. I want you to make me feel like I'm the only one. The only one. Round two of the only one. Everyone is currently sitting on one point, so anyone can win this chocolate that I've got with me. Quick reminder, there's ten possible answers to the question I'm going to ask you. You write down one answer. If anyone else has the same answer, you get no points. I will also write down an answer, and if that matches one of you, you get no points either. So for this round, what I am looking for is the top ten all-time appearance leaders... In Major League Soccer. So your 30 seconds starts now. This is the theme from Mr. Ben. It's about a man who went into a fancy dress shop and would try on different clothes, go in behind the curtains, come out the other side and have an adventure. Tied in with the clothes that he was wearing. My wife doesn't understand the childhood shows that I watched, but it was fantastic. I have the DVD if anyone wants to borrow it. So anyway, that's your 30 seconds up. So we are looking for an answer for a player in the top 10 all-time appearance leaders in Major League Soccer. So let's start this round with Steve. Again? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one I definitely don't know. It is a random guess. Uh, Nick Romando. And Nick Romando is not in the top 10, oh, so no yeah. points for you. Joe? Uh, I think mean, we just skip this. I think we're going to the next interview. Let's just skip this. No, no. I think Joe and I both have chosen Nick Romando. <laughs> Everyone picked Nick Romando. <laughs> okay, yes, Nick I wrote Romando. down Jeff Cunningham because I was oh, so sure oh. you'd say Jeff Cunningham again. Oh, and Steve had it and scored it out. 
But uh, that would have been no points anyways. I'll just give you the top three. In third place, Steve Ryston, never 378. Wait, Steve Ralston? Ralston, maybe yeah. I can't read my own writing. Still can't, never heard of him. Brad Davis, 392, is uh, second. Yeah, but I, Kyle Beckerman is the leader at 432. I, I didn't think of him. I thought maybe he got You could also injured. have had Brian Carroll, Chad Marshall, Bobby Boswell, Jeff I thought Cunningham, a keeper would have been in there, for yeah. sure. Moore, Jeff Lorenovich, and Jack Dewsbury. Huh. I, I had it down between the two RSL guys, but I chose Ronaldo. Ah, because he's a goalie. Eh, Goalies never yes. get subbed out, right? Like, so everyone's still tied on one point. So we're going to bring you another interview now. And we, we talked about it early in the show. I got a chance to sit down with an, the other draft pick, Lucas Stouffer. Now, this is going to be a bit of a lengthy interview. It runs to about 18 minutes. Make a cup of tea, grab a chocolate digestive, sit down and enjoy it. You might wonder why I'm speaking 18 minutes to a second round draft pick. Well, it was a fascinating interview and a talk a lot. But th- there's really a lot to talk to Lucas about. He's had a very interesting journey to MLS. He's talking about that. Some of the hardships that maybe people don't understand when you're a youth player that families have to get through. And also, he he's something that we haven't seen. He's got a real technical ability here. He's a futsal player and a lot more besides as well. So let's hear now from Lucas Stouffer. So, Lucas, it's been a, a whirlwind, yeah. sort of early stage for you here in Vancouver. I asked Justin about this as well, but from being drafted on Friday to then arriving here on the Monday on the training pitch on Tuesday, how did you find just those first three or four days? What what was that like for you? Well, I think the, the word that you used, whirlwind, I think that describes it perfectly because immediately once I was drafted, I gave my speech spoke to Carl, literally gave gave my interviews, did a couple interviews, um, got some pictures taken, and then um, flew home with my dad that night, got home at about 2.30 in the morning, went to sleep, woke up, packed a bag, and the next day I was on a, on a flight from Louisville, Kentucky to Chicago, Chicago to Vancouver, wow. so... Um, it was, it, it was, it's definitely been a whirlwind, been a great experience. Luckily, I feel like I've been here for like a month, which is, which is awesome. The guys are more than welcoming. The entire club is very welcoming. They want everybody, especially people through the draft, to succeed. Um, from the equipment guys to the media people to the coaching staff, um, you can just see that everybody wants you to succeed. So um, before the interview, you said, I look so happy out yeah. there. Yeah, I am going out there and playing with the quality of players that we have every day, um, work, working hard for them, working hard for yourself and the club. It, it's a blessing. It really is. And um, uh, smiling is a very small thing, but it just, it, it's, I, I can't help but smile. You, you have looked so happy out there. I had a quick chat with you on, on Saturdays. Yeah. You were in by in the pouring rain and it's like big smile on your face. But this first week, apart from the weather, which has, yeah. has been even worse than usual, <laughs> How have you found the whole experience here in terms of on the playing side? How different has it been? How more competitive has it been? Has anything surprised you from what you've had at college these last yeah, four well, years? I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you look across the entire draft board and 
draftees get asked that question, of course, the, the quality of player is a lot higher than all around what you're seeing in college. So, obviously, um, trying to curve the, lear- the learning gap, trying to crush the learning gap um, in the first week is what you want to try to do, and I think what good players and good young players can do, and that's what I've tried to do, but it's it's all credit to the to the guys on the field. I always, they probably find me a bit annoying because I'm always asking questions, <laughs> always trying to um, tweak my game because I, I do want to stick around. I do want to play for this club. I do want to play for the city and um, I'm just I'm just really blessed that they were able to take me in the draft. I mean, I mean you've been around it. It's nothing but professional. Yeah. And and I, I feel like if they this club, I would find it very hard pressed to find another club like it in the MLS. They've really really set the standard with me and really left an impression on me. So I, I mean, a blessing, and I and I use that so much, but that's really what yeah. it is, and everyone's so welcoming. And Robo had talked about the the chat that you had yeah. pre-draft it had just gone so well. You talked about it on the conference call that yeah. you seem to have the same mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Robo said again that you you kind of gave answers that other players haven't did, but because you were being yourself, you weren't just giving the the football answers. Right. But when you left that that chat, did you feel? Oh, this this could be the club for me. I, I really like what's going on. Hundred um, percent. When I left the interview, I, my in my interview was Pa Maduka, um, John, character. awesome <laughs> guy, um, John Park, and then uh, Robo came in probably five minutes into the interview. So um, it was a it was my first interview um, that I had oh, had. Okay. Yep, they, it was. I think it was at seven seven thirty at night the the day before all the interviews actually were starting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I feel like in this process and this business, if if a club is going to take a chance on bringing you in or signing you, and this goes for drafts, trialists, anything, I mean. They're investing in not only your football, but they're investing how you are going to be in their locker room, how you're going to fit in with the cooks, the trainers, the um, building managers, like the entire club, and especially at Vancouver, there's a sense of uh, family. Everybody knows everyone's name, um, and, it, and, and that's very, very special. I was actually talking to Pa coming in, and saying this is this is what a club should be. Everybody, everybody's so happy, competitive. The level is very good, um, and and the locker room is fantastic. So it really is like a family. But to get back to the the meeting that I had with Robo, I could feel that, and I feel like we share the same mentality in the fact that he wants to see obviously the team grow and the team to get results, but he also saw that me as an individual he wanted to kind of grow me as a player um and then might sound a bit sappy but to be honest like I'd never had somebody those three guys be that genuine with me before they were they were so um honest with me and where they felt that I was at um and I was honest with them I told them that this is where I think I was that I think that um I've been to several other clubs in, in, in Europe and through MLS, just trainings during the summer. And this, I, I really 
feel like I fit in, and that's credit to all the guys in the locker room being so welcoming and everybody kind of taking me under their wing and showing me the ropes. So it's it's this week has been fantastic. I I'm, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> what can I go back a bit then yeah. to pre-college stuff for you? Yeah. Because you've had such an interesting journey to me. Yeah. It's like first of all going back to Shattuck St Mary's. Yep. And I know that you kind of moved to go and play there and right. go to school there. What what prompted that decision? What was it about them that attracted you to them? So um, before I went to Shattuck, my parents were driving four hours round trip for training every day for right. me and with a time change. Wow. So um, obviously me being one of four kids, that's very, that's very time consuming and very difficult. Um, I played for the Chicago Magic. Um, for a little bit like as a guest player in the US we have you can go guest play in tournaments kind of before the development academy started oh, right. so um, I was with um, Mike Makovich who coached the Chicago Fire or uh, the Chicago Fire Reserves was the assistant coach at Toronto for a little bit um, but he really was one of the main guys at the Magic that kind of um, looked out for me at an early age um, but yeah, so I, I did that every weekend. We'll go to the Dallas Cup. I was playing with the Magic, the Chicago Magic at Dallas Cup. Um, a guy from Shattuck um, a pre, uh, approached my dad and said, hey, we're interested in your son. Would you guys like to come up? So it was funny. <laughs> we uh, drove to Dallas from Kentucky, which is about a 12-hour drive. Then we drove from Dallas to Minnesota just straight through. Wow. Yeah, so um, that was my freshman year of high school. And uh, we decided, you know, this this is going to be. They gave me a really good scholarship um, for academics and soccer, and so it was a good place to kind of mesh the two. So I decided, yeah, or me and my family decided that we that I should go. That this was the best thing for me in my career. Um, but I mean, it's it's the sacrifice from my parents and my family and my siblings that allowed me to have that opportunity. So really I'm forever indebted to them. Yeah. But yeah, so I lived away from home since I was 15. Then once I graduated from Shattuck, I went six months abroad to yeah. Denmark. Because I was yeah. going to ask, like, what yeah. took you there? Because you were in Denmark, you had some time in, so, in Holland as well. Yeah, so when I was 16 during the summer, I went over to Holland and did like two months of training with um, De Grashkov, SC Twenta, and then Vitesse Arnhem, the club that's um, partnered or the owner owns Vitesse and Chelsea. So you see a lot oh. of like the Chelsea players get loaned out to Vitesse just because of the owners. The owners own both clubs, so um, that was a great experience. Um, it was awesome. I loved it over there, but obviously, like the work permits and things, that's very difficult yeah, in that's Holland. A big thing for folk. Came back, finished high school, went to Shattuck. Great. Um, my senior year, Tim Carter took me and four or five other players to Vader Bremen for two weeks, trained there. Fantastic. Um, weather similar to here, so yeah. it was good. Yeah, it was fantastic. Then, finished high school. Then uh, Creighton was the only school that recruited me, so um, they didn't have fi finances are a big thing in my family, um, so we didn't think that we could afford um, no scholarship for the first semester. So we were like, okay, we need to figure out like a plan B. Um, and funny Denmark 
um, a club in Denmark was looking for a midfielder um, to play under 19 in reserves, and so I, I went. Um, we booked the flight. I had exchanged one email with the host family. I had talked <laughs> to the club. I had talked to the club once on the phone, and I had talked to the guy that set it up twice. So it was one of those things that we really went in blind to, but it ended up being the best, one of the best footballing experiences like I've had for sure. Um, I still keep in touch with the host family that uh, put me up. They really immersed me into the culture, and much like here, um, the club over there did everything they could to help me succeed on and off the field, um, whether it was rides to training or rides to the bus stop to go to training, so it was, it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, then started, went there, came back home December 14th, once the winter break started, then went to Creighton for four years, so... I've been lucky. I've been I've been yeah. in a lot of good I've been in a lot of good situations. Met a lot of good people along the way. Had a, had a lot of good experiences, and I'm just happy to add this one to my to my list. It's been good. So, like fr- from being overseas and, and yeah. learning all that stuff, how how has being in all those different environments helped your game grow? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, the Dutch system of football is used is tech, technique. Um, more technical based than let's say Germany where it's more like power you know what I mean and then Denmark is kind of a combination of the two so being able to go into different clubs and have different experiences just adds to um, the wealth of knowledge and the way you look at the game as a player and I'm sure if you go over as a coach it's the same way Mm -hmm. Um, so really what I would do my my parents I mean I, I owe them everything they allowed me to have every single opportunity under the sun. Um, my dad runs a futsal club. Yeah. Yeah. My dad runs a futsal club at home, started in 2002, um, called Sports Tutor, um, trains 300-plus kids a winner by himself, referees high school, a high school league and middle school league on Sundays and Saturdays. So, I mean, by the early age, I'll, I was playing futsal a lot. Um, played on the national team, Played in the World Cup qualifier. Yeah. Played against some of the, played against Falcao, one of the best players in the world. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, never got to play against Ricardinho, who's Portuguese, um, but um, played against several brilliant Spanish players, and so that kind of, that really opened my eyes to the, the like quality of passing. Like, there's there's a, like don't. Don't pass the ball. Don't pass the responsibility. If you know, so like, yeah. so like when you play a ball, you want to give your teammate the best sort of situation you can. Yeah, because a lot of just, just want to get rid of it, so they're not the one that makes. The right, mistake. exactly. So you don't want to like pass the responsibility on to another player because that ultimately makes you and the team look bad. Um, and futsal really opened my eyes to that because it's it's a passing game. It's very quick thinking. You have to be able to use both feet. Um, but yeah, I mean, my uh, when I go home in the winter, I train mostly futsal. That's it, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't even I don't even really touch like an outdoor ball. Obviously, with the combine and trying to get ready for that, I I would train with a regular ball, but it would be indoors. So I I utilize my dad's facility yeah. every time I'm home. Because like one of the things with futsal, yeah. th- this is what 
excited me when they, they drafted you because yeah. you had that background. So much emphasis on the draft seems yeah. to be on athleticism. Yeah. All the all the shows that were talking about it and reports that all talk about athleticism. Yeah. No one talked about skill. Yeah. It was like it, that seemed to be like irrelevant. But futsal is going to give you an advantage, I feel, because wow. it's giving you that technical side of the game. Well, I was I was talking to um, Ifran Juarez at dinner one night, and um, I was talking to him about you know like I know I'm not the fastest player, but. I, I think I've got good technique with both feet. And I, I'm a good thinker of the game. And he was like, you need to work on your thinking because if you can think through situations faster than the guy can, than the other player can run, then you'll never get caught out of position. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what my philosophy has been through this entire process is, yeah, I'm going to come up against, like in the combine, Francis Atueni, who went to, I think, seventh overall to FC Dallas, I think. Um, I came out, and it was funny, my agent was like, once you come out, because I had a little bit of a knock at the combine, don't go back in. And so Todd Yeagley, who's my combine coach, who coaches coaches at the University of Indiana, um, comes down the bench, and he's like, do you want to go in? I'm like, where am I going? And he's like, outside back, right back. You're going to mark Francis out to any. And I was like, put me in. Put me in. Um, because, I mean, like Alfonso Davis, we spent 20 minutes afterwards with Pa talking about how to beat me. And for me, how to defend players like that. Because he's obviously very, very skilled on the ball. Yeah. But he's got a God-given talent of natural pace. And so, for me, dealing with more guys like that, and in the combine situation, dealing with guys like that kind of suppresses the question, always oh, not very big, always oh, not he's not blinding with pace, but he's not slow. So you, for me, I have to put myself in those situations, and ultimately that makes me better because that makes me think, oh, well, there was one situation I talked to Carl about in the meeting that I had. We were playing a back three, and... I gave myself five yards of room because I knew watching on the bench when Gordon Wilde cut in on his left under the combine draft he went to Atlanta, he chips a ball over to Francis Atuini and um, that was kind of like the play that they were doing. So I, so when I saw Gordon get the ball, he cut in on his left, I gave myself five yards so the ball wouldn't go over me because I knew if the ball went over me, I was going to be cooked. And so I gave myself five yards um, so I dropped Dropped five yards and like I won the header and played out. So, just just those are the players that you want to play against. You always want to play against the best players possible because that ultimately makes you grow. And then the more you grow, training against these guys, the more they grow as well. I mean, um, obviously it's been a bit of a bit of a transition period, but I think I've done okay. Thank you so much for your time today, Lucas, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. And good luck with everything. Lucas Stoffer there. Hope you enjoyed our chat with him. Fascinating backstory to the the lad. I don't think you can listen to that interview and not wish him to do well and and get a, a good contract with the Whitecaps down the road. As he said there, he's kind of 
lived on his own since he was 15 away from home, so he really wants to make this and just great guy. But we'll be back with some more chat and some MLS news after this. Hey, it's Ivan Runovic and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Zach was singing non-stop. I mean, folk talk about my dancing. <laughs> Zach was so into... You didn't strike me that you'd be so into the Beastie Boys. Oh, that was... Bring, ill communication brings back good memories from, like, I I loved Girls, and I just wished we had added that to yeah, the White that, Cats that, repertoire before Portland did. I don't believe that's from that album. It's the previous album. Hmm. Not sure. I'm not. Great, great I'm, song, I'm, I'm probably getting that all wrong, but... Catch Zach on his Beastie Boys <laughs> podcast after this show. <laughs> <laughs> 1 to 5 a.m. Yeah, we could do that if you want. I'm all for that. But you are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show just now on CITR Radio. Now it's time to talk about the MLS news of the week. Beep, 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 beep. Maybe we should get a kind of MLS team. Yeah. I don't know. Well, eventually when the season starts, we're going to have to throw this all in headlines. We're not going to have that much Oh, well, yeah. It's been a quiet week, though, (laughs) after all that. (laughs) Quiet week. MLS transfer window officially opened. No, No massive news. There are little bits here and there. May 1st uh, is when the window is open till. So some teams have added, added some things, but first thing we want to talk about, Orlando City's CEO, Alex Leitao, has slammed Kyle Laren. He said Laren didn't respect the club, his contract, or the group. Turkish media say that Orlando got $2.3 million in the transfer fees. And they that's kept a, all that, of it. Yeah. That's American. Yeah, American. That's yeah. not been confirmed by anyone, but... I but, trust Turkish media. And, but they, and they kept all of it. They, yes. they have to share with the MLS. Uh, basically, the, the CEO said they knew Lauren was wanting to leave and they, they don't want players that don't want to be at the club. And I respect that. No, well, that, it, like that, that, that to me is so disingenuous. They only wanted to move him when they could get the most money for him based on the ridiculous... Well, they wanted the most money, but he said that they had made it... that Laren had made it clear to them he wanted to play in Europe. Yeah, and and, and the thing is, is he... what what, uh, One point he put in there is that the agent thought he could get get there for free. Yes. Which would make him even more valuable, probably maybe get better salary because they don't have to pay a transfer fee for him. And we won't go into all the ins and outs because we've we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. One thing I've never said on it, though, is to, to treat... A club that looked after you when you were going through your your troubles from the drink driving and DUI thing that you had, it does show a bit of a lack of respect. So I am with him in well, that. Okay. Well, the but, thing is, I also want to say that Orlando uh, is kind of uh, they don't respect some things like maybe respect the city they were playing in before. Respect Steve. And, respect um, Steve. Uh, they have uh, they can't really talk True. about respect too too much. Although the guy who did that is no longer with Orlando, which Thank is kind no. of hilarious. God. But now um, Kowler. But 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 here's you know you you talk about he you talk about what happened this past year. He wanted out. He wanted out long. He wanted yeah. out after the first year. Yeah. 
right? So th- this is not like something that just happened overnight or just happened after that incident. No, and he was a player, I think, that Robbo had some interest in as well, being Canadian, being a goal scorer. But I'd rather have Kai Kamara, to be honest. But one Canadian may have left MLS, another one has arrived. Bit of a weird one for me, though. LAFC signing Mark Anthony K. Why is this so weird for you? He's, I thought he was very impressive on, at the Gold Cup. He's on the rise. Yeah. It just it seems weird to go to LAFC. I, oh, well, oh, obviously Bob Bradley really saw something in him. He He's on, he's on the rise. I Apparently, thought a Canadian club would go to him. Is oh, yeah. No, saying he, that LAFC would want... Well, I don't know his relationship in Toronto, but this, he's basically a Toronto reject. Yeah, he, yeah. he played yeah. with TFC too. They didn't want him. Yeah, so he goes to Louisville, right? Yeah. And he plays Louisville, he's great. He ends with a yeah. title. He scores goals. Yeah, he so appara- that's why he didn't fit in here. Apparently he... <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of a, a, a Tebow Hutchinson light. In a way. Okay. But the, uh, apparently he, uh, I haven't heard this uh, validated yet, but I heard he's like the most expensive uh, transfer from USL to MLS. I could believe it because he, he did do well with them. Now, we, we talked in, in recent shows about our, our rivals and how they've been adding lots of players. And we, we've seen a little bit more. Portland, who seem to be stacking up the attacking pieces... Well, they lost to a lot. too much they about lo- their defense. No, but they lost a lot too. They have. Yeah. They used Tam, who gets around, uh, to bring in a, another attacking piece. Twenty-seven-year-old Swedish international forward Samuel Armenteros, coming on loan from Serie A side Benevento Calcio. He spent last season in the Dutch league, where he scored twenty-two goals and thirty-two appearances. They've got an option to buy him at the end of the loan deal. He's had two caps for Sweden. He's played in the Europa League. To me, this looks another good-looking addition for the Timbers and a bit of a worry when the Whitecaps are fighting against these teams. It looks like a positive death signing, but the Dutch air divisie is not what it used to be. No, definitely not. That was the word I couldn't say. And, and, and the thing is, is they're bringing a lot of people on loan. They're not yeah. actually bringing this. So they, it, it seems like that. It's, there's, not, there's no harm in that because... You you can have a look at a player before bit, yeah. you before you buy them. And Benevento didn't get a point until October <laughs> yeah. or something like that. So I don't think he's like a huge goal scoring. No, I don't think he's done that well in Italy. Some of the other guys they brought in though, Steve. Yeah, they wanted to buy, but the clubs wouldn't sell them to them. So, so they just loaned. So them. now they have a loan with a guaranteed amount that they can buy them for at the end of the year, which is mm. probably better for them in the long run, especially if it doesn't work out. RSL. Another Western Conference rival. They have signed a, a Bundesliga. Yeah, but one of the Bundesliga. So, I mean, Zach, you'll know all about this guy. The Zweite Liga, the he, second Bundesliga. Is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought U- Union Berlin. I thought Union yours. Berlin was in Bundesliga. No, uh, that shows you how much I paid attention to Bundesliga. Croatian's central midfielder Damir Krylach. I'm going to go with a Krylach. <laughs> Release the Krylach. Oh, <laughs> there, there's their Tifo right away. Yeah. <laughs> Although if he's not very good and they want to release him for another way, then that, <laughs> that'll be the headline when he yeah. gets released. <laughs> I, I, Jordan Much had so many headlines for him; doesn't look like he's coming. Anyway, that's another story. Twenty-eight-year-old um, Croatian central midfielder, thirty-three goals and one hundred and forty-seven matches over five seasons, bolstering the centre of the park. Don't yeah. know too much about the guy, but he'll be probably either play alongside Beckerman or be a backup or. Probably in that area. Quite a few goals for a central midfielder. Not too bad. It'll be interesting to see if he can connect well with the the young Czech guy they brought in last year. The creative guy. I can't remember. His name is escaping right now. Number 11. Talking about loan deals, though. I I don't know if this was confirmed or if it was just rumored. There were so many rumors this week that I didn't put most of them in because I don't really like rumors. But this seems like it's almost a done deal if it isn't. 
Yamil Asad. Assad. Assad. <laughs> Here, I'll move this over a little. <laughs> Yamil Assad. Yeah. I try to think of a, an acid joke, but I'm kind of failing. No, don't think of acid jokes. He, Cut he, that out. That'll be edited out. Of the he was podcast. dropped from a few clubs. <laughs> he was dropped twice. Anyway, Yamil Assad, DC United bound, seven goals and 13 assists for Atlanta last year. They wanted him, but they balked at the million dollar sort of offer to buy. So now it looks like he's going to DC United. DC United are sending them. Well, they're sending five hundred thousand to Atlanta for his rights. Oh wow! Then three hundred thousand in a loan fees to Vela's Sarsfield, and then if they want to make the permanent thing, it's another seven hundred thousand. That's a. That just uh, seems ridiculous. That's a one point five million then. Yeah, one point five altogether. Now the guy's done well, but it just seems ridiculous for a guy that you might not. You're giving up eight hundred for a guy you still might not own. Only seven goals and thirty-two appearances last year. Thirteen assists, though. Yeah. But here's the here's the thing. Remember, DC United is opening their new home this year. Yes, they need some they need some better attacking options than they've had in the previous years. Yeah, and they they do have the acid tongued David Eastead and goals. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I knew I'd find a way in the end. Uh, two MLS grounds are up for Stadium of the Year. Twenty seven finalists all together. There's one in India, Steve. None in Scotland. Atlanta and Orlando's stadiums are the ones that, that's up for that. Atlanta's a football stadium. Well. It was just stadiums that were built this year as well. Atlanta's is impressive. But it is an f- American oh, football but stadium. It, but it's not, it's not just uh. a soccer stadium. Oh, okay. It's like any kind oh, of stadium. Oh, any stadiums. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because there okay, is another sorry. American one that's in there, an actual football okay, stadium Okay, sorry, I didn't well. know that. Okay. Yeah. But Atlanta Stadium is impressive. I would like to take a game in there. Orlando's a like. It's a nice little soccer-specific stadium. It was uh, Orlando's like when they when they just started in the league. Like it was fantastic to see like the 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 stand behind the sta- behind the goal just right on top of them. It, like you really feel the atmosphere. But I agree with Michael. I, if I could pick one to go to, I'd go to Atlanta Stadium. The Mercedes. I thought Benz Sporting was pretty good still. Yeah, but it's not a new one. No. I'd, I'd, oh wow. Okay. I I would Tear love the Whitecaps the- one day to be on the Stadium <laughs> of the Year nomination list for for our sixty thousand waterfront stadium. That we've got. <laughs> if you hear weird things in the background, folks seem to be moving stuff around upstairs. So hmm. I thought it was soundproof. This, this studio. yeah, I thought it was as well. About the water from, waterfront stadium, who knows? Maybe Bobble will give up his office. And oh. Lots of New Jersey's launched this week. The Whitecaps one came out. Adidas seems to have got a job lot in black though. Yeah, like a bit. They, they went to Costco and just bought you know black a uh, lot of black uh, fabric. Yeah. A- any of the other strips jump out at you guys that that you liked? No. Not really. I, I wasn't paying attention. I heard you guys talk about the Whitecap strip last week. I I really do like the look, but I think it was Zach who said it has nothing to do with the history of the club. I I read the jargon that they gave when they announced the jersey. Yeah, Unity. Unity, nice name, but the thing is, they got the grey from the outline of the grey from the crest. Like, okay, <laughs> it's like I don't know if anyone's used Microsoft Paint before, but you can like pick a color from a specific part of the of something. That's it's, it. Seems like that's all they did. Like I, they dropped that onto the. But image. it's 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 the, it, the bridge disaster. I thought it was. Well. I thought it was after that Dave Chappelle skit uh, that the, where Rick James goes Unity. <laughs> yeah, you put uh, you sent something out. I didn't get that. Oh, you have to watch the oh. Chappelle show, and you would be laughing. Your, you know, yeah, the the, the iron uh, the iron workers thing is really interesting. You know, one, one perspective on that is like, 
Is it was that the heart of this, or was that like, oh, we want to do this? What can we attach it but to? But I th- yeah, so, so but I th- but the owner went over Lionsgate Bridge. It, and that's where he got that. The just white it caps. just feels like the, oh yeah, it's it's good that's to it's good to make community connections. But this feels like again, the motto their motto is you're always selling. So it feels like they're trying to sell to new new people, kind of thing. I can't wait it, till it, the meth white uh, jersey comes out. <laughs> the I will I will say though. For, you know, for them, one of their objectives with this is to is to sell sell kits. Yeah, and they so definitely will. They def- uh, yeah, they definitely. Oh, this one will be a big, big because seller. you you can wear you can wear it with anything. Yeah, the other one you can only wear when you're going to bed, and it's slimming as well. Yes. No, I don't don't, don't know if I'm looking at you for that one, Zach. But <laughs> apparently, I've been told it's slimming. That being said, I do I do like the kit, the good design. It's just that you know it would be nice to have a community connection. The, the design is well, they do have a community connection, <laughs> but, but yeah. the the design. The, the thing that's off-putting for me is this, where the the arms are different, but... Well, it, that it, it that seems to be a, the thing that's quite common as well in MLS. No, but if you look strips. at... They're all, some of them are different, though, I think, because mm. you look at the Seattle one with the whatever, which a lot of people really hate, and, and yeah. I I don't like Seattle because of their color, but I don't think that the kit's that as bad the as Buell? everyone's making it out to be, but it's, mo- color? it's, it's more that the, the difference on their kit is so uh, awkward. Or you can see the shoulders that go into the back. I don't yeah. know. I was disappointed, though, because I had been told that there was going to be a new jersey sponsor, but it, it seems that it's still Bell. I was told Viagra was the new one because they were trying to get some help in how to handle a semi. Could it be like a gravel for congestion in the midfield or ah. something like that? But anyway, that is the MLS news for the week. Now it's time for my favourite part of the show. It's Wavelength. But no, in honour of Joe being here, we have gone for an Irish band. Now, this song featured in one of our Wavelength All Music specials, so that not as many folk listen to those as the normal ones, so I thought I'd bring it back for this proper Wavelength section. This is from 1997, an Irish band called The Hitchers, from their album It's All Fun and Games Till Someone Loses an Eye. And this is a song about the wee ginger man from Scotland, Gordon Strachan. Start to start a fight up with me She said, what's that you're watching? It's a program about art She said, a program about art I said, a program about art And then the greatest midfield artist of them all Walked out onto the park The crowd were on their feet And they whistled and they cheered for the tiny wee Scotsman with the copper-coloured hair She said you just don't care You never listen, you know You get shunned to Wetherill Weather up to Derigo Derigo knocks it on to Fairclough Fairclough looks for speed Now she's ranting like a lunatic I'm switching off that telly me while I'm talking to you to strike it now, much Kelly through. There's one man pulling all the strings and 22. Look down well who the air begins to pick it inside the box.
Hey, I'm Brett Levi's, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Song for Zach there, a nice wrestling tune. The theme entrance music for the party peacock himself, Dalton Castle. Ring of Honor world champion, Zach. Um, But I'm here with my boys. Dalton Castle's got his boys. And you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And now it's time for the third and final round of The Only One. I want you. So which one of you lucky boys will be feeling like the only one for me tonight? Round three. Is there a tiebreaker if we were tied after? No, we'll go to no. next week. Yeah. Okay. This, this is going on all year long. Yeah, I thought I would carry on actually for we'll do, the year. We'll, we'll I, do like whenever Joe's on the show. We'll we'll. Well, do he this. could always send it in from wherever. Well, then he, he can is. look the answer up. Oh, that's I don't cool. trust. I don't trust Irish folk. Can't tr- trust a corkman. No. So this one. This will this will please Zach this round. So I'm looking for. A player that makes the top 10 all-time appearances in the MLS era for Vancouver Whitecaps, but it also includes Champions League, Canadian Championship. 
So who is in the top 10 Whitecaps players' appearances in the MLS era? Your 30 seconds starts now. Okay, so your 30 seconds is up. We'll start this time with Joe. Okay, just waiting for Zach to finish up. Zach always needs more than 30 seconds. Um, So does my wife. (laughs) I'm going to go for a controversial one. Uh, I I think I know the one that most people are going to write, so this game is getting into my head. Eric Hurtado. Oh, no, he does. He's He's in ninth. One, 107. He's just been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Well I, done. Oh, I, sh- I should have said the other person who I was like, oh, they've been around for four years. But I didn't. Who was that? I can't even remember now. Good job. Oh, I was going to say Kendall. But he's not on Is he in there? Kendall is on the list. He also has 107. I should have said Kendall. Who did you see? I put Matthias Laba. And Matthias Laba is there. He is fifth with 128. I put David Osted as number one. No, he is number, third with 150. Third. Jordan Harvey is oh, number Jordan, one. Right. And who did you put? And you put Gershon Kofi, right? I put Russell Tiber oh. again because I thought Zach would write oh. Russell Tiber. I thought you were going to put Gershon Kofi because no you thought Gershon's on there, right? Yep, Gershon's there. Yeah. He's second on 150 as well. Yeah, see, I thought you were going to put that because you thought I'd put it. Yeah. I think that was one of the trivia questions we had earlier in the thing too. Yeah. 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 So, Jordan, points for everyone. Jordan Harvey would be the tricky one that everyone would have gone for. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think if we're going to award, if we want to differentiate the points a little bit, I think, I think Joe deserves like a bonus point or something for getting Eric Hurtado. No. <laughs> Wait, what are you saying about Eric Hurtado? He's no, I, a fantastic player. I I don't think a lot of people would have put him in that. No, guessed him in that list. No, probably not. Are there any surprising other people on that list? Yeah, well, the the, the top ten, and this is including like Champions League and uh, Canadian Championship. Um, so Harvey, Kofi, Eisted, Tiber, Laba, Manny. Darren Mattox, 110. Yeah, he's another... Waston Hurtado, and maybe the 10th one might surprise a few folk. Camilo. Oh. Mm. Anyway, everyone's tied on two. We will continue that later in the year. But now, it's got me a bit hungry. It's time for David Norman to take me out. Take me out! If, if you're home at night or you want to get some takeout food, yeah. what would be your takeout food of choice? Sushi, for sure. Ah, yeah, is there any, anywhere in particular you like to go for it? Uh, I know quite a few places. Uh, nothing really, like no place that I have particular, but just like anywhere for sushi. Yeah, and any particular kind of favourite dish? Uh, I like chicken teriyaki. Um, I like like a yam tempura roll. Those are probably the go-to, those two. David Norman there. Now, 
Starting up, a, a big argument and discussion I constantly have with my wife. I don't class those as sushi. To me, sushi should be raw fish. My wife doesn't like raw fish, so she has yam tempura roll, chicken teriyaki roll. I don't think that's sushi. Well, technically, the sushi is the type of rice that you, that you serve. It's, yeah. The, the, the raw fish is called sashimi. Anyway, now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. Make it part of your daily routine, bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eye on the site this week, Steve? Well, uh, since it's one o'clock, we'll try to make this really quick. Um, a couple of things. The night is young. Yes, it is. Um, uh, some quick hits. Uh, Chinese Super League, they feel like a uh, headline was the has the bubble burst with the transfer tax. Um, essentially, the Chinese are putting a 100% tax on every transfer. So, for example, Diego Costa was going to was thinking about coming over. It would have been $64 to pay Chelsea. I'd, I'd tax for $64. $64 million, oh. sorry. $64 million. $64 million for to, to send to Chelsea. And then it would have been $64 million to pay to the government as well because of the tax or yeah. what, FA or whatever it was. Sad thing be. is, I don't think the Whitecaps would even have paid the $64. So if they wanted to pay for Freddie Montero, that would have been double of what they yeah. were wanting for him. So that's essentially what there is. Crazy times. Liga MX is thinking about suspending uh, promotion and relegation. I know you guys probably have some things to say about that. I think it's I, weird. Yeah, yeah, I can believe yeah. that. I know, I know they, they feel that there's not enough quality teams in the second division to compete. But how do you become a quality team? Giving them four years to stew in their own division before maybe getting... The, Promoted again is not going to do that. No, this is a case. This is you know a case of modern football saying, "Hey, we're in. How can we keep other people out? How can we? How can we? Well, keep even making the English most money Premier possible? League had, of course, talked about this at some point. Fools. Oh, another headline here. Um, it's a, it's just a quick funny story. VAR and the giant flag. How a match in Portugal became a scene of farce. This was fantastic. Essentially, uh, it was a third goal. It was a three nothing game. So goal really wasn't that important. Uh, but there was a dispute on the goal. The referee went to VAR, and a supporter's flag blocked the camera that was supposed to be the ideal thing to look at, and and they couldn't overrule it at that point. It's it's a small enough place for that to happen, but you know you yeah. have to think about a bigger like in the Bundesliga they they wave flags all the time, right? I guess the stadiums are bigger, so they don't block the cameras, but broadcasters have a re- responsibility to make sure that there's yeah, all you the think they would think ahead. I mean, VAR's had I've made it mentioned this in last week's show. Did anyone see the FA Cup game between Liverpool and West Brom where VAR was used? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, but the decision, it was over two minutes for some of the decisions. Yeah. No one had any idea what was going on. And I think VAR is great, but when you see it played out in a farcical way like that, it's going to turn people against it, which I think is a bad thing. Yeah, it was It was pretty, the game was just broken up. One of the weights was yeah. like, yeah, one, and waiting for a penalty in particular. Yeah. It puts added pressure on the player. It was right decisions in the end, which was at yeah. least good, but way too long to get It's too clunky. Yeah. EduSport Academy eyes premiership place by 2025 under web-based fan membership. This mm. is essentially in the Scottish leagues. Uh, they, want, um, they want to get in there. I think it was £25 per year. They were expecting for members, and they were, that would raise money in order to climb up and up the ranks. To be honest, you don't have to spend that much to go from the bottom division into probably the second tier in Scotland. 
but then making the next jump's not quite as easy. And uh, people that signed up for the whole Ebbs Fleet thing, yeah. that was not what people were expecting. And then the club went into serious financial problems with that, and they're just starting to come back. And I joined the Supporters Trust after the whole thing just to to help them along because I went to kind of game in Ebbs Fleet. But stuff like this can ruin clubs. Yeah, yeah you, supporter ownership has to be done right. Yeah. And, this yeah. just sets a bad example, and it's not something I would actually want to see work, I don't think. It just gives people the, the wrong idea of what supporters' ownership is. But does the web-based format change anything compared to what Ebbsfleet did? Well, the thing about Ebbsfleet is they signed up expecting to pick a team and stuff. It doesn't look like this would be the case. Yeah. But the problem in the, was in the second year of Ebbsfleet. People thought, I'm not getting value for money. Why am I paying this money? I'm not really getting any decent return would they feel the same? And then you've got a club that's trying to do all these things but then they haven't got the money to back it up. Mm-hmm. Australia is launching a bid to host the 2023 Women's World Cup. It's in France uh, in 2019. It'll be 2023 in Australia. So do, there's, is, there's, is there any um, one they'd be bidding against? Not at this point. Yeah. But it's just, it, right now the bids are just opening up. So yeah. we'll see if there's anybody other bids. Good, but good for them. I hope they get yeah, it. Yeah, I'd I love think, to see the women down on I think American, Americans uh, will probably uh, put a bid in as well. Um, I'm assuming they would because it's been a while for them to host, I think, right, at this point? Yeah, I can't remember when they last hosted it. But with, yeah. with Canada having this one, I don't know yeah, if they'd want a gap. Two, 2003. Two thousand three. Okay. And then, okay, so again, we'll go back to U.S. soccer. A couple of big stories. One was... The NASL launches a new suit against U.S. Soccer Board. Um, uh, new week, new lawsuit. Yeah, and and there's a follow-up the, article that came out on Thursday about how this new lawsuit is uh, and comparing it and contrasting it with the the, the original one uh, or to the federal one that was. So, so the crazy one is they're suing individual members yeah. of the U.S. So, like, I think Carlos Bocanegra is one of them, right? Yeah. It's this is. It feels a little bit grasping at straws, and yeah. they don't want and they don't want U.S. soccer, U.S.S.F. or whatever to uh, pay the uh, fees for these uh, the lawsuits. They want the individuals to. Yeah. Uh, it's basically they're trying to to cause so much of a fuss yeah. that they'll go look. Just go away. We'll give you what you want. Yeah, is how it it smacks. But they did have uh, the U.S. soccer election this year. Uh, yes. This week, this year, this well, week, this, uh, week year? this weekend, basically, they announced it. I think on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Carlos uh, Cordero lost to hope so. Yeah, no shock. No, <laughs> he won it. He she, was. She didn't have kind words for him too. No. He was the, Sunil Galati's um, right hand man. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting to see how it broke up. One of the articles that we that was on BC Soccer Web um, broke it down to how it went from round to round. Mm. And interesting, um, some voting shifts. Um, uh, the the president of some was ahead in the first round. Kathy Carter. And then um, a second round, uh, Carlo he moved up. Kathy went down. And then by the third round, um, I think MLS and every a lot of other people had pushed all their support towards Colorado Cordero, and that got him the election because you need fifty percent plus to get it. So it's interesting to see how that shaped up, and he he's saying a lot of the right things, and and the thing is the biggest factor in his election were the players, the players because they vote in a block altogether. They're not individual voting; they're all as a block. They put it, their support uh, behind him. And not one of the former players that were running either. It would be interesting to see the the distribution of the votes, just to see, like a lot of people seem to think this is more of the same kind of uh, like just promoting from yeah. within with the same problems. But 
But he, he, the way he talked afterwards, he said, he said that just because I, this is, the, I'm, yeah. I was with this, doesn't mean there's not going to be changes. He's going to say that, right? He's trying but he to said it right. after yeah. he got the election. So yeah. why would you even say that after? I mean, that? The, the hope was it was going to be somebody that wasn't from the establishment, but yeah, Mar- Martino or Winalda would have been they, they, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, they got ten percent, and they didn't really move from round to round on there. But I, I, the two establishment figures, I'd rather it was him than Kathy Carr. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. The players did not were not going to vote for her. She did get the NWSL. Yeah, vote. NWSL. They gave a block to her. Oh, of course, the players are not going to vote for her. She yeah. worked for the company that the MLS hides their money in. Yeah. That then when they go to player nego- the union negotiations, they say we don't have any money. We lost all this money. We're going to move to Can- Canadian a little bit of Canadian news, but there was a great article on the Northern Eleven uh, by Jeff Salisbury. Um, about why Canadian soccer needs to divorce the U.S. system. And essentially talking about like a full like PDL, all the teams get out of the USL or the PDL out of the the USL and make it just Canadian. Because he was talking about how there's a lot of uh, people are just going after the money and not really growing the game and just there's a lot of uh, barriers. And Canada's not going to really, they're not going to excel when there's barriers in the U.S. soccer system. Yeah, because the same problems that the U.S. teams will have, the Canadian teams will iner- inherently have, as well as the problems... And the none Canadians of the advantages, because they're Canadian. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I would not want to have further away trips. We can get down to Seattle and Portland quite easy. Yeah. If you're in a Canadian league, it's not as easy to get to away games. Oh, for so. sure. That's a good point. But playing them is one thing, but yeah. like organization-wise, there should be a bit more. You know, getting to Victoria is pretty, is, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Or going from the Fraser Valley to but Vancouver. Victoria would not be... like If the Whitecaps were in a Canadian league, Victoria is not going to draw that kind of support to be a par with the Whitecaps. Says you. Okay, so other uh, talking about Victoria, the Highlanders FC have announced their head coach, Thomas yeah. Neindorf. Yeah. Name known to many of us. One of the, the head honchos back when the residency started off. Well, he was the... He was the main I mean, guy. The founding, the the founding yeah, coach, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to catching up with him when he comes over here for the game and we'll, we'll have a sit down with that. I asked you, to, especially, Michael, to mm. read this one. I hope you did. I did. Um, a FIFA step in at the CAF Congress to gag Morocco from the 2026... Uh, to gag t- Morocco 2026 from showcasing their bid. Um, it seems Bizarre. a weird thing that they were... The, uh, and then they have... Uh, um, uh, points in there where they talk about Justin Trudeau um, shaking hands with guys from FIFA and then it, it seems very weird the the whole setup there yeah I, I just didn't get why you would block a bid it, it makes it look like they think it's a done deal it's going to be the US they don't want Morocco rocking the boat or just messing they, they, things they up they weren't even putting a bid they were just showing the yeah. other members of the African right. uh, groups right to, you know what, what their bid was it's kind of just disappointing to those who thought that FIFA might be Cleaning up its act. But. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. And uh, well, talking about the World Cup, $5 billion is expected to come into North America if they win the World Cup. Okay, if they win the World Cup. Oh, I mean, the bid, yeah. Okay, if they get the bid. The thing is, when FIFA come in, they are tax-free for everything they do. Yeah. They basically circumvent all the laws. So they could be $10 billion if they do that. And they take <laughs> everything that they, that they, all the money that they make, they can take it tax-free out of the country. Like, you can look at Brazil, you can look at South Africa in particular, like the, stu- the studies that they've, that they've done there, the amount of money that's been lost. And also, there's a thing called FIFA courts. I don't know if you've heard about them yeah. before. They, they basically set up their own court system in countries that they come into that they feel the court system, system is inadequate to process people. In South Africa, they arrested a couple of guys for, for, um, shop, for stealing stuff from tourists who were there to see the World Cup. They were 
uh, tried, processed, and within 12 hours they were in jail. Like it's wow. an expedited version of of their form of democracy. Um, like that's a good thing, surely. <laughs> I don't know. I think the system that what's in place now has and the, and the crimes were they were really severely punished for what they did. Michael, please don't call him Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, that is a good way to to end the show. So Shirley, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSweet. <laughs> I have to find my new Twitter handle. One second. <laughs> you can find Joe on Twitter at JoeDZVan. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I'm Z- at Zachary AM on Twitter. I'm a part of the Movement Cover Collective. I'm Michael McCoy. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Give us a follow on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Going to have a lot of stuff up on the site this week. Also, I'm the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to leave a review for us on iTunes. If you haven't enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on From the Backline. <laughs> but until next time. Thanks for listening, take care, and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.